can do. The greatest thing you can do is to trust in Jesus Christ, and that is, is such a blessing. Great job singing, and always sing with a heart to honor the Lord. Psalm 46 tonight, Psalm 46. I should have mentioned this uh, during the, the prayer time, a couple of things. One, I know we, we obviously have several families that are out because of sickness, and it's just that, it's that time of year, and it goes around. By the way, um, if you're puking, it's okay to watch the live stream. It's not okay to stay on the live stream, and that's not God's design, but it's, it's okay to stay home, and, you know, we uh, pray for one another, but then when you're over it, amen, be over it, don't, don't milk it, <laughs> uh, but when you, when you notice, if I can ask your help in this, when you notice if someone's gone, try to reach out to them, and, and just be an encouragement to them, and, and then if you're if you're out or you got something going on, please don't hesitate to let me know about that. I should, I should notice. I should notice, but it's just the nature of it. I'm not going to notice everything. And so it's a, it's a tremendous help to me. And you're like, well, man, a pastor should notice. Yeah, there's a lot of things I probably should notice, but I'm limited and imperfect. And the more people come, the easier it is to miss things. And so don't ever think, man, he's too busy. I don't need to let him know about this. No, let me know about it. Let me know about it. Okay, I need more than that. Let me know about it. Just, just let me know about it. It's okay. But be an encouragement to each other and, and try to take notice. Man, if somebody's not here, try to take notice and love on them and be an encouragement to them. And then um, Alex Tinsley uh, made it back to school, so be in prayer for her. And then Melina is leaving at some point. Yeah, the, and then the 21st, and then Tori. Has she left already? Where are you, Tori? Hi. Okay. I forgot. A, I didn't forget about you, but I didn't notice you, man. Sis, I'm just, no one needs to be more offended than Tori about all of this. So, and so Tori, uh, Tori will be going back to school. Alex um, actually isn't going back to school. She's moving to Arizona doing an internship uh, for six months, and so she'll be working at a, working at a church uh, one that you know, the pastor John and Misty Vaught, um, Northway Baptist Church in Scottsdale, and she's going to be providing some, what, what Pastor Vaught would say, some much-needed help with their music and their children's ministry. And so we're excited for the opportunity the Lord's given there. So she'll be, she'll be trying. So, and then we got college students that stay local, like Emma, and, those are, and, and they need prayer just as much. Hallelujah. And, and especially Emma. But, but uh, no. <laughs> All right, so be, uh, just got a, a lot of things, and so just be aware, but, but as you notice, these folks coming and going, uh, make sure to be in prayer form. It's been good to have, when are you leaving, Brianna? If you had asked me, I would have said no, so I'm glad you asked my daughter, so I'm not, no, so Brianna is from Alaska with uh, where the Youngbloods are from, and she's been here visiting, and so if you haven't talked to her, very sweet lady, thankful for Brianna, and uh, just glad that she's been able to hang out a little bit, and uh, if you ever want to know how to cook caribou, she's the lady to talk to right there, and so she do that. All right, Psalm 46. Psalm chapter 46. God is our refuge and strength. This is one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible. A very present help. 
in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar, and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, referring to the Lord, not the heathen. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. A phrase that, you're con- that, that you may be acquainted with, but one that in the context of this book is misunderstood. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. The title is simply this, Being Still. Being Still. God, sure do thank you that you love us. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for this passage and the opportunity to, to go through it tonight. As a family, I pray that you would help it to be productive. God, again, I confess what, what we all know, what I know, what you know better than anyone else, and that nothing good will come out of this unless you are involved in it. So would you please help? Would you please speak to us? Help us to know that we've heard from you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Do y'all know when fidget spinners came out? A, now we have the poppers. You, you have ones, you have spinners and poppers, and they can go on keychains. They come in enormous sizes. I mean, they, they have them for kids. They have them for adults. They have things to help a distracted people who cannot discipline themselves to be distracted with something else. Now, look, that apparently offended everybody, so everybody's like, I'm going to put this away right now. Now, I'm not, I'm not against fidget spinners. They're great for throwing, especially the spinners. You can use them like a Chinese star or something like that. Be like a ninja. No, I, you know, I know what it's like to be fidgety. Um, when, I'm, when I'm talking on the phone in a, in a confined space, I'm like, I'm like someone who's been in solitary confinement for 20 years. I have a route in my bedroom when I'm taking a, a serious call that I, at home, 
I will walk it. And it's, and it's not quite this big. It's like, or about this big. It's like this. This. Like, I mean, I don't know what my problem is, but I got to move. I was, uh, I was on a call a couple of days ago, and I'm, I'm in my office. I'm like, man, I've, I've got a comfortable office chair. I got the heater going. I have a cup of coffee that I can sip on in between sharing this incredible wisdom. It's a joke, sarcastic. Like, man, I got to get up. And I think I walked three quarters of a mile in this sanctuary. Call is about 30 minutes long, and I'm just, man, I am just walking. You know what it is when you tell your kids, hey, sit still. You know, we talk about practicing at home, teaching your kids how to sit in church properly. And man, it's so funny watching our, watching our younger ones try to learn that. And it's... And like you tell a kid to be still, and even right now, I'm not going to look at him, but one of mine is struggling with it at the moment. Even you tell a kid to be still, and it's like you've told them that they're never going to get to eat ice cream again. And it just breaks their heart, and like, I don't know how to do that. And some, sometimes we, we look at the, this passage, and we think, man, be still. We just, we need to cease from motion and we need to rest. And while that can be a part of it, that's not the primary purpose of the statement that is being made. In verse number one, we get this idea that God is our security. You see the words refuge and strength. The refuge is a place where you're protected. And then strength is the provision of his resources to help you endure. I think about being in Oklahoma and the multiple times we had to take shelter because of a tornado was going through. And I know there's like this curiosity about tornadoes. You're no longer curious about tornadoes after you've been in one and then seen the damage and the destruction and the death that it can bring. And storms can look really cool on TV or they can look really cool when they're in the plains. But when they start coming through houses and they start laying waste to buildings and to hospitals and to schools and to homes and to jobs, you realize this isn't any, this isn't any laughing matter at all. This is something very serious. And life can be like that. Life can have the storms and life can have the threatening dangers. But God is a refuge and help. But then this sums up his help. He is a present help in trouble. Meaning this, that every moment you need help, it's available. God does not get weary of being a help to his people. Now look, honestly, you may get weary going to him. You may get weary of calling out to him for help in the same area or over the same thing over and over and over again. But God is a present help. And the help that he was last year is the help that he will be this year. And the help that he was in the generations before you is the help that he can be in these generations. And the help that he has been, that you have seen him be to your family's young people, is the help that he can be in your days as you grow up and begin to have your own families. God, God is a very present help. He is aware of what is going in our, in our lives. He is in tune with the battles that we are facing. And he is available. He is accessible. He is a present help. You know what it's like to call for somebody to help you and they weren't available? You know what that's like? 
You know what it's like to have wanted to be available to help someone, but you couldn't? God is the only one who's perfect at this. He is a present help. And whatever you need him to be, and whatever the moment requires, he is sufficient for it. And so because of that, in verse 2 and 3, we can be calm. I love this word. We can be composed in the midst of great instability and uncertainty. Therefore, verse 2, he says, will not we fear? Not, not that we're never going to feel anxiety, not that we're never going to feel fear, but we don't have to be controlled by our fear. We can be composed and we can move and live with confidence. And then he creates some very incredible scenes. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, the waters roar and be troubled, the entire planet be turned upside down, be completely flipped over in upheaval, we can still become. Think about the image of Peter stepping out of the boat. Waves going crazy, and for a moment, he's good. You know why he was good? Because his focus was on the one who was in control of the water. His focus was on the one who was walking to him on the water. And the moment he got his focus off of the Lord and got it on the storm, that's when he began to sink. But we can be composed when we keep our eyes on the one who is a present help. Then in verse number four through five, God wants his people to understand that I am with you at all times. He uses a beautiful analogy to help us understand this. In verse four, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make the Make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now in Jerusalem, it's obviously in the Middle East, it's a very arid place. There is not actually a massive river that flows through Jerusalem. Small streams they have access to, but not not a river. So they don't have this massive river. Do you know who they do have? God. And, And God is compared to a fountain of living water. He is a fountain of living water. Just like he said to the, Jesus said to the woman at the well, whosoever drinks from me shall never thirst again, but you'll have eternal life that springs up, everlasting water within you. And God is that supply from which we can drink over and over and over again. And even when life is barren, even when life is arid, even when life is hard and difficult, he is a constant supply of grace and of provision. And that's why it says in verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early, because God is with his people, though they feel the heat, though they feel the uncertainty, though they are weary with the struggle, God is with them and he is going to sustain his people. So the first five verses, you have God establishing this point. My people are secure because of me. Now, do you always feel secure? Do you always feel secure? You feel secure when you're at the doctor's office and that's not going well? You feel secure when your heart's been broken and disappointed? Do you feel secure when you feel like you're being attacked? Do you feel secure when your marriage is going through trial? Do you feel secure when there's uncertainty about your finances? Do you 
feel secure when, when you just don't understand or believe that your life has value? Do, do you feel secure when you're going through great failure? Do you feel secure when, when you are grieved and hurting and overwhelmed? No, there can be times when we don't feel secure. This is the beauty of this passage. Your security is not based on how you feel in a moment. And when your heart is broken, and when you are weary with doubt, and when anxiety overwhelms you, and when fear or anger or frustration are assaulting you, when you're uncertain about which way to go, when challenges in your home or challenges in a ministry, when challenges at work overwhelm you, when it's constantly bad news or frustration in your health, when you see your children not following the Lord, when you're uncertain about life in any area you can feel very insecure but your security is not determined by how you feel about your circumstances it's determined by the God who is always in the midst of your circumstances this is not a promise that you're always going to feel good when the when there is the upheaval and when there is the dryness and when there is the uncertainty and the raging you're not always going to feel it but you are secure the promise of God but then we see another side in verse number six we see the security in the first five verses that he provides for his people then in verse six we see the raging of people who reject him verse six the heathen raged the kingdoms were moved in verse eight and nine he talks about the fact that there are wars in verse 10, he talks about the fact that there are heathens. Now, you use the term heathen, and you can think of some jungle scene or of someone who maybe isn't living advanced, and it can come across derogatory in certain ways. That's, that's not what it means. A heathen, in the biblical sense, is someone who rejects the knowledge of and the authority of God. That's what a heathen is. A heathen is someone who, who denies God is not, and even if he is, he has no right to rule. He has no right to exercise authority in my life. If the definition of a heathen is one who rejects the authority of God, heathens can be in West Valley Baptist Church. Heathens can teach Sunday school classes. Heathens can stand behind pulpits. Heathens can stand out in the foyer. Heathens can have all kinds of roles. Because a heathen, according to the biblical definition, is one who rejects the authority of God. Now, in the world, there are those who in every way reject the authority of God. And we see that in our leadership. Man, I, I would actually have more respect for people for national leaders and local leaders, if they would just say, I don't believe in nor do I care about the existence of God and my policies are going to reflect that, rather than try to, in twisted and in inappropriate ways, try to connect their murderous and vile and lascivious policies to some corrupt view of God. And by their actions, you can tell you are a heathen. Not that you aren't educated, not that you haven't attained earthly success, but that you reject the knowledge and the authority of God in your life. And here's what we see. We see heathens raging. What do you mean, raging? 
the, the insanity and the continued pursuit of our, look, I know you're tired of hearing about this, and I know we just want to pretend, but you got to stay awake to this. There's an, Anglican, there, there's an Anglican church, the Church of England, has sanctioned, I don't even want to use biblical terms, but sanctioned the, the first trans-something priest or whatever. And you think, well, yeah, that's over there. No, that, th- this is all over the place, and it's even increasing. And there are Baptist churches that I've read about that have sanctioned these kinds of lifestyles. This is raging at some of the most absurd and insane levels. And there are people that are trying to come for children, trying, trying to destroy their perception of themselves and their perception of the authority of God. And when you, when you begin to attack this idea that you are born as either a boy or a girl and there's no mistake, and you begin to make ridiculous, scientifically insane statements, you might have been misgendered or you can be more than one thing, that is raging against the authority of God. Let me tell you what else is raging against the authority of God. When you won't obey your parents. When you won't grant forgiveness. When you won't humble yourself and be a part of a church like you need to be. When you won't show kindness to your wife. Respect to your husband. Be a witness to the lost. Have a good attitude at work. Raging has to do with resisting the authority of God. True, two things are true. There are heathens who rage. And there are children of God who act like heathens in rage. So, in verse 8, the psalmist says, a display. I want to show you what God does to those who rage. Look, you know, you know what's happening over there in that corner? We're putting up a display, and I'm so excited about it. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna, you know what we're going to try to do? Display what God is doing. It's already going on, and what we believe he can do. It's going to be displayed. The, the psalmist is saying right here, come and see. Look at this display. Look at the works of God. He says in verse number 8, Behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth, meaning that he's laid waste to. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. It, this isn't a perfect parallel, but think specifically as the Israelites left Egypt and go across the Red Sea and God fought for his people. And Moses goes to the Lord and the Lord says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that doesn't mean inactivity because Moses raised his hand. The sea parted. The Israelites walked across on dry ground. The Egyptians pursued. And God in the midst of that seabed made war with the Egyptians. You know what he did? He made, he laid waste. He laid waste to them. You know, in T-ball, scores can be lopsided. Like, 
85 to 1. And that was because they, the opposing coach just felt bad and like, let, let, let him get around the bases and touch home plate. You know what that's called? Laying waste to. <laughs> and, and look, when my kids are on the winning side, like, sweet. <laughs> and when they're on the losing side, I'm like, be better. <laughs> Here's what I know. It's not fun to be laid waste to. There is not a force. There is not an enemy. There, there is not a power that can resist The power of God. So here's the summary. God gives security to his people. And God silences those who rage against his authority. Then notice in verse number 9. It's almost like instead of the psalm as most of it is written. Instead of it being written about him. It's almost as... Though, and I believe he did, he inspires it to be directly, to be a direct quote from him. Do you see that difference? In verse number 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Remember the context. The context in the first half is dealing with the security of his people. The context in the second half is dealing with the silencing of those who rage against his authority. And so he says, he makes a demand, and and it's motivated by a heart who longs to do good for those who will humble themselves before him. Be still and know that I am God. The idea is not to live a contemplative life. Life. Living a meditative, contemplative life is a good thing for a child of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt, what's the word, meditate therein day and night. No, we should learn to think about God, to think deep things about God, to consider the truth of God. We should be able to put our phones down, to turn off the TV, to sit ourselves, and to consider the truth of God and who he is. We should learn to meditate about the love of God, the wrath of God, sin and its consequences, God's plan for a church, for a family, God's purpose in your life. You should be able to think, but that's not what this phrase is talking about. The idea is not cease from activity. First Corinthians talks about, therefore, my beloved brethren, oh, I'm messing it up. Be, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your what? Labor is not in vain in the Lord. God didn't put us here just to be like monks and hermits that go live off somewhere and we're just contemplative and meditative all the time. We don't do anything. No, God wants you to be productive with your life. God wants you to be salt, and God wants you to be light. And you can't be salt and be light if all you ever do is think about the Bible. At some point, you got to get up and start living out the Bible. you got to live it out in your work, and you got to live it out in your marriage. you got to live it out at school, and you got to live it out at home. you got to get up and do something with it. That's not what this is talking about. Remember the context. God demonstrates, I secure my people. Not because they always feel secure, but because I am. 
But on the other side of that, you have those who rage against my authority. And for those who rage against my authority, I will not secure you. I will silence you. So you know what you need to do? Be quiet. Be still. Two things. Number one, be content with God's rule over your life. Say it again. Be content with God's rule over your life. Please get me. Please get this. Not everything's going to go the way that you want it to go. I, I encourage people to have dreams. I encourage people to do what the Bible says, which is this. With thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known unto God. Man, I... I I'm, I'm looking at Brother Fiavai, I'm, I'm looking at Brother Z, and, and both of these men, I, if, they're, if, if they're normal men, they, and, and if they're anything like me in this regard, they would have ministry dreams, ministry aspirations, not, not in any ambitious or selfish way. You just want, you want your life to be useful to God. And, and when you're going through Bible college and when you're praying about what God wants for your life, you dream about what that would look like and, and you want certain things. But there's not a guarantee, and I, I don't even know what all of those are. I'm just saying they would be normal men. They're a blessing to this church, but they are normal men who believe God has called them to the work of the ministry, and, and, and they may have dreamed that it would look a certain way, and I don't know how it looks in reality compared to how they thought it would look. I just know that for both of them, they have to be willing to be content with God's rule in their life. What does that mean? Maybe your ministry dreams don't work out exactly the way that you thought they would. But you need to be content with my rule in your life. No, they would say amen to that. Brother, Brother Sharp, I've, I've talked to Brother Sharp about this. You have, you, as a pastor, you have dreams and plans. And sometimes those things don't work out the way that you prayed and wept and bled and worked for them to work out. And yet you have to be content with God's rule in your life true for me as a pastor it's true in your health it's true in your family dreams it's true in your in your business in your work in your labor young young people young people you've got to come to a place to where you understand that there is a god and he's not obligated to make every dream or desire that you have come true Please understand this. It is possible to have a desire or a dream that is right before God, but that does not obligate God to that dream or that desire. As a church, look, I'm trying to be so careful in this. I believe we need to be moving in a direction. And while I believe I see some immediate steps, I don't believe I know all the steps. And so we're trying to move in a direction. But I've also, as I try to lead and others help try to lead in a direction, we got to move in that direction with the awareness. This may not work out the way that we think it's going to. We've got to be content with God's rule in our lives. 
There are things that we can control, but there are things that we can't control. And we've got to be willing to humble ourselves and not to rage against him. Because this is what can happen like a child who doesn't get their way. We can rage against, well, I really wanted that. And I really prayed for that. And I really believed God for that. And then it didn't happen. But listen, God doesn't obligate himself to make every desire that we have become a reality. He has a purpose for our life. But that purpose may not involve every one of your desires coming true. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even like that necessarily, but I know that it's true from the word of God. And there has to be a willingness after I have done what I am supposed to do, that I am going to be content with your direction and your provision in my life. There are things that won't go the way that you want. Don't rage. Don't rage. Look in relationships that have fallen apart and people that have gone through great pain and and you have the people who depart from the Lord, but then you have those who are trying to recover from the, the scars of all of that. And I say to my brothers and sisters who have been broken and harmed and hurt, listen to me, it does you no good to rage. No, deal with the sin, deal with the confrontations, but at some point you've got to allow the grace of God into your life to heal you and to help you because raging against and being jealous of and being envious of and spending your life looking at what other people get to enjoy that you don't and whether it's brokenness or whether it's a dream that hasn't come true, you spending your life raging against what God has allowed for some but not allowed for others, listen, that does you no good. Be content with the control of God in your life. Number two, be in submission to his truth for your life. You can't control the raging forces of the heathen. And some of you have raging forces in very close proximity. Deal with it at work. You, can, you maybe have gone through seasons in, in your family or in close relationships you can't control the raging forces of the heathen. Listen, you, you understand, we really can't control the raging forces of our political leaders. No, I understand the idea it's supposed to be a government of the people, by the for, people, for the people, but that has long since been flushed down. The proverbial sewage. And those who are in power no longer rule, or most of them no longer rule with that in mind. There is an agenda, and they are more concerned about the entrenchment of their own power than they are carrying out the good and the benefit of this nation, what is best for these people, for, for people in our country. You can't control that. You can't control the raging of school boards that are becoming more and more radical. You can't become, you can't be in control of police departments who can be weaponized. You can't be in control of, a, of, of pastors who will preach false doctrine and who will use the authority of God to harm God's people. You can't control the raging of someone in your home, of a child who has left your home and forsaken the truth of God. You can't control the raging of someone who has failed you in authority. You can't control that raging. You know what else you can't control? The ruling of God's power. God doesn't ask you for permission to be in control. He does not. Here's what you can control. Whether or not you submit to his truth. Amen. 
Can I just can I just talk to you for a minute? I've Tori, is it okay if I've talked to you? Is it okay? There has been raging around your life. Things that you can't control. Here's what you can control. And as your pastor and your friend, you and I have talked about this. You can't control the raging of others or the rule of God. And by the way, when sinful people do sinful things, that's not God's will. But he allows us to be born to whom we're born to. But you can control your submission to his truth. If you know Tori, this is what you've seen. And, not, and she's not the only one in her family, but this is what you've seen. A sweetness and a submission to the truth of God, even in the midst of great raging. Submit to the truth. You know what we do? Listen, listen, this is what we do. Well, I don't like this, or I don't like them, or I don't want this. I don't want that. I should, this isn't fair, or I shouldn't have to go through this. And we rage. You know what God says, submit to my truth. Why, why, why would I submit to God's truth? Where's Jaden at? Jaden, come up here real quick, bud. Thank you, bub, for hustling. All right, so Jaden, I mean, just out of nowhere in like the last few months, like literally he got taller than me out of nowhere. And it's, and I mean, he like just, <laughs> yeah, it's just a, and he's slouching a little bit right now because he's afraid. But when he stands up, it, I mean, even, I mean, it's just noticeable. Like, all of a sudden, my 14-year-old is taller than me. And there may be signs that he's going to get even taller. And so he, he's feeling himself sometimes. <laughs> and, and I believe God did me a great favor by not letting me be great in stature. I've long ago concluded that that was a mercy of God in my life. Not what I wanted, but just based on some struggles I've had in my own life, it's probably healthier for me. <laughs> and it's good for my humility. And so Jaden, you can tell he walks up to me. And he, try, he, see, he tries to see how low he can lower his chin and still look me in the eyes. Yeah, you know, I was talking to, talking to Brother Kirk back there. And, like, when I say hi to Brother Kirk, it's like this. It's like, hi. <laughs> How's it going up there? <laughs> Does the elevation make it harder to breathe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could reach that high. Like, if I ever had to give Brother Kirk a high five, I mean, I'd, I'd need a, I need a step stool. And you can, and you can tell. I could, just, I could just see it. And it doesn't bother me. I've, man, I've always, I, I'm, I'm, I've always wanted my kid, my boys especially, to be taller than me. It's all good. If they're not, who cares? But I'm happy for them. And he comes, he, he just comes and you can just tell. He's feeling it. He's feeling it right now. He said, he said to me the other day, we were just having a playful conversation, and he made this statement. There was no intentional disrespect. I would have dealt with it differently. This is just fun. But this is what he said. Let the old man think what he wants to think. <laughs> and it was fun. We, we have fun dialogue together. And 
And so I took Jaden through some reminders. <laughs> that stature and age do not equal strength or superiority. Here's the truth with my children, all of them. They rage against me. It's only going to be to their hurt. It's not a threat. God, God must deal, and he will deal with the rage. And you correct and you warn, and I thank God that he is merciful over and over again, but eventually he silences the rage. He will silence the rage. But you know what else he will do? He will secure the submitted. God, I don't even need to ask my sons. They know this. They know two things. They know, number one, that I work at trying to be as strong as I can in a right way. And they know that I'll do anything I can to protect them. My kids know that. But they also know that if they rage against the authority that God has placed in their life, there is going to be significant pain. So you can be secure or you can be silenced. It depends on your submission to his truth. What in your life do you wish was different? If there are decisions you can make or that others could make to make things different, then fine, by all means, in a right way, pursue it. But do not rage. You submit to the control of God, and you submit to his truth, and this is what you're going to be. Please, please hear it. You're going to be safe. Doesn't mean you're never going to hurt. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. But my son, even though he's taller than me, because of his curls... In his bones, he knows that his dad is stronger, and he knows the heart of his father. But you have to submit to benefit from that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed, there be anyone who would raise their hand and say, man, there are areas in my life where I am raging against some things or I am struggling to not rage against some things and I just need to submit to the truth of God in my life and do what his word says is right in front of me. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I see them going up. I see young people putting their hands up, adults putting their hands up. Thank you for your honesty. So then... So then respond to the Lord tonight. There is security that is not based on how you feel, but it's based on who he is. But then there is a judgment, a dealing with for those who won't submit to him. Let's all stand together, Brother Nate. You sing, God has spoken to your heart and you respond to the Lord.